0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you
1: love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Interesting episode of Purple Daily today where we get a glimpse inside the inner workings of the Vikings and sort of a state of the franchise from NFL insider Tyler Dunn. But we're, hey, we're still celebrating our guy, Kirk Cousins. (laughs) Kirk Cousins, the secondary slayer inside two minutes daggering the panthers this last weekend some celebratory corona hard seltzers Declan. Yeah, some some
2: daggers from the uh, tropical lime version of uh, of of kirk cousins there from the corona hard seltzers i'm a big fan of kirk right now and so is corona hard seltzer cuz they sponsor programming here on purple daily and this month and every month throughout the year discover corona hard seltzer it's the only hard seltzer made with peer beach vibes with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime mango cherry and blackberry lime corona hard seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, really, Illinois.
0: Really, I thought Kirk played well all day today. You know, he, um, he he was under duress. They were giving us a lot of different blitz looks and, and blitz things that, uh, you know, uh, and, and getting people in his face, you um, you know, I thought he, he scrambled a couple times today, which were which was which helped because they gave some open areas. And then um, uh, you know, obviously on the last
3: drive he was he was terrific.
1: Hey you held him to twenty points, man. Yes, you gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah. So
0: I heard it all week long, right? Oh and nine on Monday night. Yeah. 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 You like how this tastes? Yeah.
1: Oh, Mike. That's not what, that's, that's not not what the line is. Mike, uh welcome into Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff. We're going to dive right in with our guest of the day here too, Tyler Dunn, which we'll tell you about in just a second for a deep dive into the inner workings of the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, a quick reminder, the places you can find Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, scornorth.com in audio form, and also you can find Judd's written work on scornorth.com about the Vikings. And YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Click the subscribe button. It helps us out. And you get daily Vikings videos in your subscription feed. But Tyler Dunn is an NFL insider and features writer who has spent time over the last 10 years covering the Packers, the hated Packers at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, (laughs) the Buffalo Bills at the Buffalo News, and the NFL at large as a features writer at Bleacher Report. And right now you can find his work exclusively at golongtd.subtac.com, golongtd.subtac.com, where he has a two-part feature about the inner workings of the Minnesota Vikings. Will the Vikings finally rise under Mike Zimmer? Tyler, thanks for jumping into Purple Daily with us today.
0: Great to be here, fellas. Thanks for having me.
1: So you published this, I believe, before... Captain Kirk, the late-game luminary and the uh, secondary slayer, Kirk Cousins, daggered the uh, vaunted Panthers. He's so full of it, Tyler. <laughs> I'm listen. I am <laughs> number one Kirk Cousins, full of Cousins it. fan. It's been here.
3: ripping Cousins for all, all let season. Let Kirk
1: cook, baby, the rest of the season. So <laughs> let
0: Kirk cook. That's right. <laughs> yeah,
1: cook so something. Give us. There's so many places to go, and you painted. You painted a couple great pictures of the different viewpoints of people inside the organization of where this thing's going, but how would you characterize based on your conversations, the Vikings current position as a franchise five and six, they're grinding for a playoff spot. It's year seven of Mike Zimmer year three of Kirk cousins. And they're kind of at this point where you got to go, or maybe there's changes on the horizon.
0: Right. When they're one in five, it looks like they're, uh, you know, on a fast track to having no choice, but to tear down the whole operation. Right. I mean, it was, in a bad, bad place. They win at Lambeau Field. Here they are, a game out of the playoff race. So this is definitely a a, a good situation to be in. If you're Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins, all of these guys that they just quadrupled down on back in the spring, you know, they convinced themselves they're a contender. Maybe they are, but they're really all along been this team kind of in this middle ground, you know? I mean, they, they're trying to compete now, but they're trying to compete in the future. I mean, they had no choice but to get rid of a lot of those guys on defense, some of which didn't want to be around anymore, Mackenzie Alexander being one of them. Um, but I I guess they have a chance to win now. I mean, it would be a, a huge moral victory if they get into the playoffs. It would be a good sign for all these young players that they've been relying on. But that's kind of part of the problem, I think, too, is, you know, these as, as one person put it, several people put it, they're a team in no man's land. You know, when you're kind of in that middle ground and, I mean, I don't know, if, are there any sober fans out there that think the Vikings could win the Super Bowl this season? Not sober. I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you,
1: <laughs> no. I did have someone bring the 2007 New York Giants comparisons galore into my Twitter timeline yesterday, so we'll see. Good luck, good luck
0: with the Chiefs. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just it's, it's hard to see. A, and I, I like Kirk Cousins. There's a lot to like about him, but they're paying him to win a Super Bowl. They're not paying him to go 8-8, eight 9-7, and eight, nine and, seven, and I can't see Kirk Cousins taken down any of the other quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks that you see out there. So I tend to agree that this is a team in no man's land. Although it is encouraging to see young players, you know, quote-unquote rise, like Terrence Newman said. I mean, they they are kind of rising to the occasion. I, think, I don't think they're jaded by Mike Zimmer yet. I think they are hungry. I think they are like that young group back in 2014.
3: So in do, doing your work on this uh, story, Tyler, what was the most what, what was the thing the takeaway that you that most surprised you or that you found to be the most important that you didn't know going into your reporting.
0: Good question. I would say the the tumult, you know, in the spring right after they signed Kirk Cousins. I think we saw this team that pulled off the miracle. They're one game away from hosting the Super Bowl. They have the number 1 defense. They signed Kirk Cousins. I mean, they weren't the only team that wanted him. They obviously overpaid, but they bring in this guy that you just assume is going to take you from a Keenum Bridgewater level to the Super Bowl. And the problems were really early. I I, I was really shocked to hear, like, in practices that Mike Zimmer is, like, sending mixed messages to the offense. Don't run this. Run this. What, what the heck are we? And he's mucking up the RPO plays on purpose when the RPO is basically what took them down, you know, in the NFC championship game. I mean, it was very early on that there were signs of trouble. I think when everybody was all jacked up about this team and this quarterback and this offense, it was already unraveling internally, and they never got it back. So even though they're 5-3-1, and one, even though, you know, they're throwing the ball all over the place and modernizing the offense and You know, maybe it was destined to fail anyways. I I think Mike Zimmer at that point was like, "Oh my God, this isn't us. We got to get back to running the ball." And bam, the offensive coordinator's gone. Stephon Diggs is gone. They they give Dalvin Cook the extension. Like I said, you know what? They're eight win, nine win team. There's a lot of a lot to love about that approach, but can you win at all with that approach? I don't know. I don't. I, I guess to answer your question early on the unraveling—that's what shocked me.
1: You know, the other thing that stood out to me, and this—I this, think confirms what we have sort of suspected from the outside looking in—that Mike Zimmer is an excellent defensive mind. He's—you know—he's taken all these rookie guys at you know at the cornerback position, all these backups up front, and the Vikings' defense has been a lot more formidable even this year in a in a transition year. And this is probably the worst defensive unit he's ever coached in 20 years as a head coach and coordinator. We know he can coach defense it's always felt to us like he views offense as a necessary evil that he has to check in on once in a while at practice, (laughs) but he just kind of wants to hire a coordinator that can be that coach, right? So my question to you is, to what degree do people behind the scenes view Mike Zimmer as a complete head coach of both sides of the ball the last few years?
0: Not one. I mean, multiple assistants really believe that he wasn't involved nearly enough in the offensive game plans and that he was still quick to blame what was going on over there when he wasn't involved over there. He didn't really act like he was the head coach of the whole team. I think you just kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head. But, you know, to go through Norv Turner, Turner John D. Filippo, Kevin Stefanski, you know, in a weird way, maybe this is going to work with Gary Kubiak because everything you hear about Gary Kubiak is he is an unbelievably great communicator, Players do gush over him. They love Gary Kubiak. And unless I'm wrong, it seems like him and Mike Zimmer have a pretty good working relationship and that, you know, there is a, a good thing going there. So maybe fifth time's the charm. I think he's the fifth offensive coordinator. And, and this all kind of works out with Gary Kubiak. I I think it, it, it's because of what you just said. He's kind of doing his thing, running that offense. And Mike Zimmer likes that approach. You know, he likes running the ball, working off play action. So, things might you know be where they need to be finally
3: so your your um story at, at the beginning of where it starts which is 2018 when Kirk gets here had a very interesting training camp um uh recollection to me of Mike having the offensive play card in practice and basically tipping off to the defense exactly what was to come so that the defense would look good and stopping it here's here's my question, and I'm curious if this came up in, in your discussions, too. So uh, Flip had been the quarterback coach in Philly when the Vikings got waxed and embarrassed in the 2017 conference title game. Did you get the sense that that because I don't know that it was Mike who hired Flip. I think it was probably Spielman and Mike and a bunch of pe- folks. Did you get the impression, Tyler, that that was almost Mike trying to prove to himself that being blown out by Philly in that conference title game could be overcome and that he could stop? Because that always struck me as weird initially. And then your reporting to me was really intriguing in the fact that here's a coach who's supposed to look at the greater good, right? and he's basically yeah. saying he's basically telling his defense here's how you can stop my offense when the offense should have probably been allowed to succeed to your point about rpo's
0: i don't know what else i have to say i think you just i think you just nailed i think that's exactly the case without being in mike zimmer's head i can't speak for him obviously and and who knows what he would say on this matter but uh i think that was probably the case and i know that 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 seemed to be a relationship that was pretty doomed from the start, and not necessarily Mike Zimmer's preference. And there probably is a lot to that, and just not liking RPOs, not liking the fact that RPOs eliminated his team. Just just just, just this new fad that isn't going to work, you know. And I mean, he's a he's an old school coach who values old school things. Bill Parcells is his mentor. I mean, I think we all kind of had that high school football coach, right, that's just going to run you into the ground, run you into the ground, beat you down. Maybe you appreciated him in time like the Terrence Newman's and the Chad Greenways and all these guys. But uh, in the NFL, there needs to be a little – got to modernize a little bit or else you're going to get left in the dust, and that might be the case
1: there. So Tyler on the Stefan Diggs front the Vikings it turns out unlike when they traded Randy Moss in you know 2004 2005 and they whiffed on Troy Williamson in the draft they made out with a haul of picks and they nailed the Justin Jefferson pick and so I don't think anyone over the last you know six months has thought any anything other than Justin Jefferson's amazing he's a top 10 wide receiver great to see Stefan Diggs having some success. Um, I think if they hadn't nailed that pick, there'd be a lot of conversation about, wow, look at Stefan Diggs turning into the best wide receiver in the NFL. Why ultimately did that relationship flame out the way that it did from your conversations behind the scenes and and how much is Stefan Diggs at fault also in in the relationship flaming out?
0: Definitely fault all the way around. And and you're right, I think like, you know, if you're looking at it from a GM's point of view. Um, this all kind of worked out perfect. You know, you, you don't have to pay 20, 25 mil, whatever it would have taken to keep Stephon Diggs. You bring in a guy in a rookie contract that's performing nearly as well. I mean, that's the perfect scenario. I mean, and they could sell it like that if they wanted to, but I think it was going to be doomed either way. I, I I, can't, I mean, they would have been trading Stephon Diggs, you know, 100% all the way because he didn't want to be there. He was sick of the direction of the offense It was just way too old school, way too run first. He wasn't getting those 10 targets a game. And Mike Zimmer really wasn't willing to sit down, work with him, find a way to get him the ball. And uh, it it just wasn't going to work out. And I'm not sure who's right and who's wrong here, to be honest, because I definitely can see what Terrence Newman is saying. I mean, he was there. He was on the coaching staff um, after he, he finished playing the year before so. Granted, it's a lot with the defensive coaches, maybe not around the offense as much, but even in that role that he had, he saw a player who was very, very unhappy with his role and just wasn't getting it in his words and didn't realize, look, yeah, you might get less targets, but it's for the betterment of the team, and he thought it rubbed some players the wrong way. Definitely see that you know, opinion, that point of view. But you can absolutely see Stephon Diggs' argument here when – you know what you bring to the table. I mean, he is a legit star, and you're not being utilized. That would make any of us mad in any job we could ever have. And, you know, did he handle it the, the right way? Probably not. You know, the tweets and the Instagram posts and, and all of that, but I think that there definitely were teammates that agreed with him, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and, and also weren't happy with where things were going. And I guess what surprised me as well is in the moment, as an outsider, I kind of thought – Kirk Cousins had a lot to do with it that he just didn't want to play with Kirk Cousins, but it, it was Zimmer more than Cousins. With it, he was more of the source of his uh, displeasure in See, Minnesota.
1: That right there is is I think a key point because again, like as that all played out, and the, it really it came to a head after I think it was Week Four. The Vikings had lost at Lambeau because of a Kirk Cousins interception, and then they lost at Chicago in Week Four, and Kirk was not good in that game. And that's when Stefan Diggs left for a couple of days and got fined by the team and and he came when he when he addressed reporters for the first time since he said there's truth in all rumors and like just fielded even more that's right. and we all thought, yeah he's got this he's got this thirty million dollar quarterback who's throwing interceptions you know on the road and he's and he's mad at him, and it sounds like you're saying it was less about not that it was entirely exonerating Kirk's bad performance then, but it was less about Kirk and more about Zimmer and the system
0: that's definitely the sense I got. Right, is it was the offense he was in. He had just signed that contract, and it's like, oh, my God. You know, that that anxiety can kind of ramp up a notch when it's like, what did I just do? Mm -hmm. What did I just sign up for? (laughs) And I I think it had more to do with the big picture of things than the quarterback. I'm sure there were times he was ticked off at something Kirk Cousins did on the field, but um, I think that Kirk Cousins is more of like a minor part of a bigger problem in Stephon Dix's mind.
3: Hey, how how much uh, do you think – That Mike and Rick are on the same page here because you alluded to it, but I find that dynamic to be very intriguing because there's definitely times where you can tell in how he does things that it's almost like Mike is taking a dig at Rick, but Rick is tied to Mike, so he's not going to turn on on Mike. What's your sense of how those two coexist right now?
0: Yeah, I mean... As I was told, you know, Mike Zimmer does not necessarily treat Rick Spielman the best. Um, the way he talks to him was, quote, unquote, unbelievable, according to one former co-worker who saw them interact pretty regularly. Uh, and you're right, they're tied together. And I think ownership just wants us to work in, in the worst possible way. They, they're they're kind of distant, not necessarily in a bad way. I think they just, you know, they kind of want Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer to, to run the team. They don't want to get too involved. But... In their mind, it's like they want this to be a Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants type of <laughs> type of franchise where we're not constantly going through coaches and GMs. They want this to work, but sometimes you do have to step in. I mean, like it, it kind of got that way in Green Bay when I did that story of Bleach Report where, I mean, Ted Thompson, his health is is literally deteriorating before everybody's eyes. Scouts are in the room and they're seeing him fall asleep in meetings and nobody's really stepping in. I mean, they don't. I guess Mark Murphy is the quote unquote owner, but the fans kind of own the team and nobody's really making changes that just, I mean, I'm not saying that Rick Spielman's doing that in the meetings, but I think they're where there's smoke, there there's fire. And there could be something there and nobody's really stepping in and they are tied together. I'm, I'm sure like at this point, they kind of know how to work together because it's been so long, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know who's at fault. That's definitely a part of the reporting. I wish I kind of learned more about like, like I wrote there, I mean, there's, there's guys that felt Rick Spielman was a little too distant too. you know, walk, walk by him in the hallway and he's putting the head down. He's not even saying hello. You know, he kind of wanted to keep a distance from the players when they thought maybe he should be a little more human in that kind of setting. Um, with, with Rick Spielman, though, I mean, he's drafted well at certain positions. He's just whiffed at quarterback again and again and again. It's kind of wild. You look at other GMs and, man, they miss at quarterback once and they're done. I mean, he's been there for quite a long time.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the, and that's like he and he'll always be able to say, well, if Teddy hadn't blown out his knee, then maybe maybe they found their franchise quarterback and obviously we'll never know. He didn't look like a franchise quarterback on Sunday unless you're Declan, Declan thought Teddy looked great outside Sunday. <laughs>
2: no, don't, don't let's not start there today. <laughs> <laughs> let's not start there but
1: today.
0: Back was to, it tipped? Was the ball tipped or did he just whiff on I, DJ Moore? I think he completely whiffed. Oh, man. yeah, it was a like, and,
2: and and terrible throw. I, I, Tyler, I would like to certify myself as the like the biggest Teddy Bridgewater supporter maybe in the <laughs> nation if not the, if not this state. So I, I think he just he completely missed the dagger yeah. throw. He missed the dagger. Throw. It's okay, there's always next week.
1: So on on Mike Zimmer, just to go back to him for a second. So the 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 digs dynamic is interesting. Um, you sort of lay out in your two part series a number of different uh, instances where people don't like Mike Zimmer's approach, but ultimately when you're one in five and you don't, and it's year seven of a head coach. That's a perfect opportunity for a team, just like we've seen with the Jets and other teams around the league, and the Lions and the Bears, like to just quit on your coach, and they haven't. And I'm actually pleasantly surprised that they've rallied around something, whether it's Mike Zimmer or their own pride. So, do you the organization had faith to give him a three year extension? Uh, so we know that. Is your sense that players like Mike Zimmer? That they tolerate Mike Zimmer? Like to what degree do they? by Mike Zimmer.
0: And that's what's wild about this. I do think he kind of became white noise to a, a core group of players that have been around him from like 14 to 15 to 16 to 17. But a lot of those guys are gone. I right. mean, Xavier Rose is in Indy. Mackenzie Alexander's in Cincinnati. I mean, there's they cut a bunch of guys. I mean, Everson Griffin is saying what he did the week they played uh, Detroit. So I think that this – Right now, oddly enough, is a team that's kind of responding to the Mike Zimmer way. They've got a lot of young players that are hungry. I mean, you can kind of hear it in their voice. I mean, uh, I mean BC Johnson. Ola, you guys like BC or Ola
1: BC? BC, there? BC, yeah, yeah. They call him BC. BC okay, yeah.
0: I'd go Ola. If that was my name, I'd, I'd, I'd go with the full name. That's say the full
1: name every time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's Ola BC, BC, huh? Come on. I mean, he's uh, a. <laughs> He, I mean, he's like telling me, look, I, I went to meet, I showed up at meetings late twice in a row and he's reaming my ass <laughs> out. And like, he's like, I deserved it. I was like, I mean, but it's like, he's hearing it for the first time. He's not a five, six year vet. That's worn down and beat down by it. So I think they, maybe they are in a great spot right now. And maybe Mike Zimmer does get a shot with it. This new group of players to prove he is bill Parcells 2.0 and they finish strong. They go into next year. And they went to the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, although I'm not
3: going to put money on it. No. I And I, I think that Mike is definitely a shelf life guy. So he's got X amount of time with players, and then they're like, I'm done here. But then he, he replaces them with guys that he can scream at. Uh, so in talking to people, this, you know, I think we can all agree that the Vikings franchise is well run. It's a good team. It's a good franchise. Uh, but to your point, too, Tyler, it is stuck. Did you did you sense from or get anybody to say, I think it's going to work ultimately, though? Like, because the next step is a Super Bowl, right? Did anybody allude to or talk about, you know what? I think what Mike does actually can work as opposed to just keep the Vikings a good and solid franchise, which gets you to the playoffs, but it doesn't get you through the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, take it from Terrence Newman, he's he's Been with him for, I think, nine of the 16 years in the NFL. He probably knows Mike Zimmer as well as anybody. And we've been speaking pretty regularly this season. And he sees a team that's just – even when they were one and five and we were just, you know, catching up a little bit, he's like, man, it's – you know, I'm sure you've heard all the excuses out there. COVID, no offseason, all this young talent. He said all that, but he's like, look, it, it just takes time to learn this defense. One game at a time, they could get there, and then they started winning and winning and winning, and he thinks that defensively a lot of these young players could turn that corner in 2021, and he he absolutely believes in Mike Zimmer. He sees a genius with the X's and O's, and he's bringing up the Tom Brady example when he's in Cincinnati and how they had some success against Aaron Rodgers and how he coached against Russell Wilson this year. Um, so he's saying all this, saying all this. He loves Mike Zimmer. He loves that approach. He's an edgy guy himself. Look, he's, I don't know, He convinced me to shave my head. When I was out there in, like, 2016, Terrence Newman looked at me, and he's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Let it go. Shave your head. Shave my head, met my wife a week later. who She likes ball guys. So I I am indebted to him a little bit. I'm a Terrence Newman fan. (laughs) But even Terrence Newman, by the end of it, said, why in the hell did you give Kirk Cousins that money? So it's like, at the end of the day, you only go as far as your quarterback takes you. Um, are they going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? I think even Terrence Newman would ha- be, be skeptical of that.
1: I, it, this is all sort of shaping up to 2021 being the, the make or break year. 2020 is all we've always known it was going to be a bit of a transition year. We didn't think it was going to start one and five and and look like that. But, you know, they're going to have to figure out their cap situation because if the cap comes down and Dani- Daniil Hunter, there's a report from Ian Rappaport that he's going to want to be the highest paid defensive pass rusher. Uh, If they can, if he comes back and Michael Pierce comes back and they can figure this thing out, um, 2021 should be a step forward defensively. And then it's because they signed Kirk Cousins coming off the heels of an NFC championship game, not to go 10 and six or nine and seven or get to the playoffs to win a Super Bowl and Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, Kirk Cousins are all connected in this era of Vikings football and and Tyler, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. The Vikings are full of good, not great seasons in 60 years. Um, you get past the 70s and they've never been to the Super Bowl. They go to the NFC Championship game like once every 10 years and otherwise it's a sea of pretty darn good, but not enough to to get that first trophy.
0: Just to ask you guys this too, is part of it the desire to build that new stadium where you want to be just good enough to keep people's interest there locally and buy tickets and get the license in and all that. And I mean, if you just tear the whole thing down right when you have a new stadium, it's not necessarily a, it's not,
3: it's not you, you hit it perfectly. In fact, I, I was at the star Tribune covering the team when the Wilfs bought the team back in 2005. And Tyler, it's exactly what you said. they, Ziggy and Mark grew up Giants fans like they worship Parcells and the Giants worship them. And they look at the Giants. And as you you brought up a team like the Steelers and their thing from day one was we want to be consistently good. We want to be consistently good. We don't we don't want constant turmoil. We don't want constant changes. So I think this had a lot less to do with a business aspect of a stadium or what they could bring in from that end—that was important. But this is really two guys whose dad had season tickets at Yankee Stadium to Giants games, and about owners who look at the Giants in their prime and say, "We want that," and that's the key here, and that's what they're trying to do. But the problem is this: the Giants eventually popped up and won Super Bowls. So, like the the Steelers Wils, too, and the Wills love the fact that this team is consistently competitive. What it's not paying off with is, if you did take a step back for, let's say, two years and won a championship, would that be worth it? In their mind, I don't think they can fathom, oh my God, we just won three games.
1: Yeah, there's a there seems to be a fear, in the, and I would put a lot of fans in this category too, there's, there's a fear of, well, what we have is good and we don't want to lose good because you look around the league and there's a lot of Cleveland Browns runs of 15, 20 years and the Lions and the Cardinals have been bad for long stretches where... You're just like 2 and 14 in the Jaguars on a regular basis. The Vikings have never been that. And I, I, so I do think there's, there's this want to hang on to good, but is that going to get you to great? Do you have to maybe yeah. take a couple steps back at some point, you know, reevaluate different things? Um, the, I can tell you the talk here in the short term is if they beat the Jaguars and the Cardinals keep losing, like there's a legit chance to get to the playoffs and then may, maybe Kirk gets hot. Like that's the way people are thinking right now. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> it's always maybe, maybe Kirk inside. maybe Kirk it's yeah.
3: always maybe Kirk will do this yeah. and yeah. the pressure's on yeah. then but you know what oh, to your point as well it's an intriguing conversation about how Kirk got here because I really believe that that was Rick who you're right through some bad luck and through some bad drafts Spielman couldn't find that guy right and so Kirk pops up there and Kirk is not a bad player like Kirk's a good player he's just not great Um and Rick's uh, signed him, but I'll never forget the day that Cousin signed Zimmer to pacify him. Sheldon Richardson was about to sign, and in the building because I don't ever think Mike thought, "Oh, let's spend all this money on Kirk." They literally pacified Mike with with a really good defensive tackle to almost say, "Here's your Christmas present, too, Mike." But we've got this one, so it's a very odd, bizarre existence here that you—it's really hard to tell. Who wanted what? But when it comes to offensive decisions, I think you can safely say across the board, Mike has never, ever, ever, and will not prioritize those moves. Aside from Teddy, who he loved. Right.
0: It's like he gave him half of a season there, you know, uh, in 18, until he said, all right, going back to the way I want to run this show, I'm the coach. It's You're right. It, yep. it, it, it's unbelievable. Let's yeah, run more, Dalvin. You're right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, hey, Tyler, and better, just another plug for, for people who are looking for for Tyler's work and just excellent insider reporting on the NFL, Com. You have a podcast you're working on at some point that's going to come out too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, hopefully we'll be announcing that soon so you know there's not enough podcasts out there really uh i feel like there's just this really this void this vacuum football. people want
1: to listen to people talk yeah. so dude there's always room for more football always more yeah exactly football. right you yeah. can never go wrong football, football.
0: Yeah. awesome stuff. Cool. But no, th- thanks so much i mean everything at go long has been awesome and it's actually sub stack just there's one more s in there you
1: want to find it sorry yeah, my bad. You're,
0: you're close well it's, it's been a lot of fun and Hopefully people want to read. I mean, that's kind of the, the mission there. It's been great.
1: It's great stuff, awesome, Tyler. man. Thank so go longtd.substack.com. Tyler Dunn, thanks for coming on, man. We'll, we'll talk again sometime.
0: Awesome. You guys are great. Great conversation. Appreciate right, it.
1: And, uh, and we'll keep it right here on Purple Daily. Back to Purple Daily in just a moment after we shout out one of our partners here on Purple Daily, Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They have a really cool brand new tool called MyShield as well. If you're a business owner out there and you're looking for frontline protection, personalized connections with Federated, uh, that's what MyShield provides. Risk management resources for your business available 24-7 and can be accessed from a computer, a tablet, a smartphone, or the MyShield app. MyShield's customizable dashboard organizes resources specific to your business on training, billing, employee certificates, safety videos, and much, much more. Want to learn how Federated Insurance and MyShield can help your business? Go to federatedinsurance.com. And click on Meet My Shield. At Federated, it's always our business to protect yours. I, I do have some nerd football stats on this Tuesday for you guys, but just a quick debrief into that deep dive. Tyler talked to a bunch of different people throughout the last several years in the Vikings organization, uh, coaches, former, you know, former players, current players, etc., just to get a finger on the pulse of where things stand. And you know, as we talked about. It, it it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Like a lot of a lot of former players were burnt out on Mike Zimmer, but a lot of those guys are gone, and the Vikings are sitting here trying to be competitive. So, what what were your main takeaways there, Judd?
3: My main t- takeaway was I don't know if the formula that the Vikings are try are using works to win a Super Bowl. I think it, it works to be successful, but I really think that this ultimately beyond Rick and Mike and the players, I think Phil, that this this. Uh, story itself and conversation about it tracks back to the people that own this team the Wilfs because it's really their fundamental philosophy that they want this team to be competitive on a consistent basis and then possibly win but the most important thing to them i think is to not have down years and to be a team that that can look back and look at a a long line of you know 10 wins here 11 wins there worst case nine wins so In that case, I think that Zimmer and Spielman essentially have this team where the owners want it. Now, the frustration for fans is, yeah, but can you win a Super Bowl? But that's really the most important thing for me is the takeaway of I don't think ownership objects to where this team is at, even though it has in their tenure and for a long time before that uh, to Yet to result in a Super Bowl appearance,
1: I think my biggest takeaway is that the jury is still out on the Spielman Zimmer cousins triumvirate when it comes to can they win a Super Bowl and uh, I actually you know what i I actually wouldn't put it if if they can if they can beat the Jaguars and the Buccaneers and like the defense keeps taking steps forward like I wouldn't put it past them to do more damage in the postseason than we think. But, like, the Kansas City Chiefs and what they're doing and what the Saints have put together, even though they haven't won a Super Bowl the last few years and the Vikings have had their kryptonite in the playoffs, what those teams are putting together is much more modern, offensively focused and sustainable over time. Yes. Because it revolves around a quarterback and 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 skill position players that you're maximizing for as many points as possible. The Vikings, the way the Vikings are going about it is, let's actually sort of suppress the skill position players a little bit more play more ground and pound controlled football. They're doing it very well the last month and a half. Um, if the defense comes along, that's the other part of the formula. So the jury is still out on whether super bowl can be accomplished with these guys. But I will say, I will compliment the Wilfs from this perspective. I like the idea of stability. Too many people and too many franchises are always about fire. Everyone like the lions are gonna fire GM coach. We're going to start all over. Every few years. The Browns do, the Browns literally do that every two or three years. They fire everybody and they start all over again. You can't possibly build a successful Super Bowl winning franchise if you're just like super quick to pull the plug on everything all the time. And so, does it mean that like guys should just have jobs forever and should never be held accountable? No. But I like the idea like, if you decide after this season or next season, changes have to be made. I would not advocate for firing everyone. I think. If you're changing out your GM, your coach and your quarterback, you're going to think about how lucky you have to get to nail all three of those the first time around. Just put like pick the one that you like the best, keep that one or or two, change out one if you have to. So I do like their vision of Giants and Steelers and Packers stability, um but I also don't want people just to have lifetime tickets to, you know, hold a job till they're 90. I
3: think so. the question is are you on a track to be good or great? And it, and I think the response in a lot of people in this world is I'd like to be good. Yeah. I really do and so the vikings are and the vikings are satisfied with being good. Um great takes guts. To be great takes guts. It takes moves that are drastic. It takes decisions that are are um surprising at times. And the vikings really don't ever now make moves that would make them great. They make moves that would make them good. I also think Last thing, I also think the important thing is to acknowledge when windows are open and when they close. And if again, if you acknowledge when the window is closing, that takes the guts to say we might not be good for a couple of years and the Wolves don't want to go go there. So look, if you like a team that is consistently going to be competitive, uh, that you can in non pandemic times go to games and is going to give you a pretty good show, the Vikings are great. Or good, but if you want greatness, the Vikings are not your team because I don't think that there's ever that mission, really, for the most part, for how do we get great, mm-hmm. especially in 2020 now because the game, no question, has
1: changed. Yep. Get those nerds! 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 I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna give this to uh, to an on-air production meeting for Declan here that the football nerd segment is powered by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated, pleased to announce my shield your personalized online destination for risk management resources. If you are a business owner, you got to check out my shield, the new app. You can go to federatedinsurance.com. Click on meet my shield. If you feel like you need a better partnership with your insurance company, if you're a business owner at federated insurance, it's our business to protect yours. I got a couple nerdy football stats for you guys on this Tuesday here. Let's start with Justin Jefferson just having a ridiculous rookie season. So he's up to 918 yards in his 11 games. That's eighth in the NFL behind only D.K. Metcalf, Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill, who, by the way, had like 280 in one game to pass all these guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, uh, Stefan Diggs, and DJ Moore are the only ones in front of Justin Jefferson. It's also only the third time in NFL history A wide receiver has gone for this many yards in their first 11 games of their career. All signs point to this guy being an absolute top of the mountain wide receiver for the next 10 years. The numbers bear it out. The eye test bears it out.
3: The fifth receiver taken in the first round in 2022. Think about that for a second. He's the fifth receiver. He fell to the Vikings as the fifth receiver. And he hasn't even like they're remarkable. Even,
1: they're barely even targeting him. So, I know, how about this? I know
3: that, that that's the incredible thing. Now, he, he did have what with Thielen out 13 targets on Sunday. So he did have yeah. a a big number of targets on Sunday. But yeah, there have been games where he's basically been forgotten and he's still doing
1: this. Like, think about You're this. I get so, okay, another nerd, another nerdy, uh, Justin Jefferson Stafford. So of uh, of the the guys who have 900 yards or more. So there's there's 10 wide receivers with at least 900 yards receiving. He's one of them. Robbie Anderson and Devonte Adams are the other ones to round out this list. Everybody else has been targeted at least 17 more times than Justin Jefferson. A few of these guys have been targeted 30 or 40 times more than Justin Jefferson this season. Yeah, there have been season. games. He's been forgotten, basically, yeah. Phil. It's incredible. So Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. have basically the same stats in terms of yards and touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Diggs has caught more passes. More of a He's more of a, a short yardage guy than Justin Jefferson this season. Diggs has 945. Justin Jefferson has 918. They both have a handful of touchdowns. Jefferson has two more touchdowns, actually. Stephon Diggs has been targeted 110 times to Jefferson's 72. So if you ever get to a point where you're targeting him like the top receivers in the league, the Tyree Kills, the Stephon Diggs, the DeAndre Hopkins, those numbers are going to be even more ridiculous. So, yeah, Justin Jefferson.
3: If he had been your primary target throughout the course of this year, I mean, his stats would be incredible.
1: Yep. I got one more for you here because people have been asking us on Purple Daily and even in our arguments on social media about, you know, why are you guys blaming the offense? So my stance has been when the game gets down to the wire, last two minutes, last four minutes, because Dalvin Cook is taken away as a threat, it's easier to defend the Vikings offense, and the numbers kind of bear that out. That's why they don't have the late-game fourth-quarter comebacks, and that's why they just haven't been as good like Kirk Cousins passer rating going into this weekend was like 53-and-a-half when, uh, when within one score in the last four minutes, and he was great in that situation on Sunday. But I've got the full fourth-quarter picture for you here, offense and defense. Okay. So we're going to give credit to the Vikings' offense for the entirety of the fourth quarter and kind of ignore their, uh, it, like it covers up some of their failures later in the fourth quarter. Sure. Yards per play in the fourth quarter. The Vikings' offense now ranks number 1 in the NFL with 5.8 yards per play in the fourth quarter. Their defense ranks 30th in yards per play allowed wow. on the flip side in the fourth quarter. Um, and so, by and large, the offense in the fourth quarter, mostly early in the fourth quarter, if you want to do the like the narrow splits, yep. has been really, really good. And the defense has not been carrying its weight. I think the Dallas game was a great microcosm of that. Offensively, can you
3: isolate that to post-bye week? Because the 1-5 and five start, to me... A lot of what you did in the final quarter of some of those games, I don't care about because teams are going to give give you yards. But post by they played well, and so I'd be curious what they're because I guess my question is this: I don't want to use stats that are accumulated through ease,
1: but if it's actual pressure stats, sure, close game, then then it's great. Give me a uh, give me like sixty seconds on my computer here. Beep, burp, 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 oh, you burp, can do it. Burp. I can find this. Oh, okay, because I am curious. StatHead.com is, is, is
3: really good, huh?
1: It's ridiculous. Is
3: StatHead.com sort of new or no? So you know how— I feel like you didn't hear you like, refer to it before.
1: Like baseball reference, football reference, all these reference sites. If By the way, if you're like a nerdy—I used to be a baseball writer for a long time. You've been an NFL writer. And uh, pro football reference, baseball reference, basketball reference are like these hubs for every stat you'd ever want to look up. sure. And they have, this is, it's super in the weeds, but they have what's called a play index where they track everything that happened on every play going back like a century. And they've put it all now into stathead.com. Okay. So if you want to look up like something specific that happened on a play and some of these only go back so far. Okay. It's pretty amazing. So you're looking for fourth quarter and you're looking for... The last month and a half. Yeah, just post right?
3: by week when they've won what four three or four games now and and lost just one because like week one against Green Bay, you're getting blown out. Kirk was
1: great fourth quarter, but it didn't matter. I don't know.
3: So I'm curious what go. the yards
1: are for these so games game, that game. matter. So week number, I think I can find this. Here we go. What week nice. is what week is this week? Week twelve. When was their bye? Um, week. So we want the la They played a bunch. Seven of or eight. So this was week 12. We want their last five games, right?
2: Yeah. So we're going to go starting
3: with. the. Yep. If you can find it's Green Bay, which would be the first game back after the bye. Week
2: 8 through 12. 8
1: through 12. Okay. Okay, Nice. Drum roll here, boys. Okay. Here we go. Thanks, Dex. Uh StatHead.com. An unofficial sponsor of Purple Daily here. (laughs) They can join us. So team offense in the fourth quarter, yards per play. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Oh, my God. There's some bad ones on here. Uh, Third. So. Okay. So, to me, so now, now some of those numbers early, like they had some garbage time m- moving of the ball early in the season against the Packers, and stuff. that's what I'm saying is which yeah. boosted. But but third in the NFL that's team still offense, very good. okay, and their but their team defense yards per play allowed over the last few weeks a little bit better. It, it, instead of being 30th, it's like 27th or something. Okay, so but yeah, I think it, it's no surprise to anyone. Offense carrying things this season, defense trying to catch up and come along, um, and Kirk Cousins doing what we've been asking late in that game against Carolina. Putting the team on his back. Number one Kirk fan. Number one Kirk. No no question about it. You told
3: Tyler Dunn. I'm his number one fan.
1: (laughs) And tomorrow we will do a deep dive into the state of Kirk Cousins as we do every Wednesday on Purple Daily. But that's a wrap for us today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Purple Daily. Tell your friends. Daily Vikings conversations. And the most interactive show of the week in Minnesota sports. Vikings Vent Line is the Sunday episode here on Purple Daily. We'll see you guys tomorrow.